Uh, I still have Columbia stuck in my head all week long, Jake. Hasn't yeah. left. You should see a doctor about that. <laughs> as long as in four hours, you might have a, a problem. <laughs> I don't want to get off of this wild ride. I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. I put my heart and soul into it and several hours. The, the only complaint I have is you have a sweet song about your wife. And now my wife is complaining. She's like, Ooh. all you do, Jared, is have all these riffs that you codename names of other girls. When am I going to get one? And you know, my argument back was, well, I've been naming them after Arthur characters. <laughs> <laughs> There's not some deep nuance, like dark side to these names. It's just... I don't even know Arthur character names. You got Francine. What's the sister? You got DW. DW is the sister. <laughs> Old car. So it was, I, I was challenged as a, a kid because we didn't have cable. So mostly PBS, hence Ooh. Arthur. Uh, but there were Saturday morning cartoons. So we got right. reruns of like Dragon Ball Z and Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon, Pokemon, Teenage Mutant did Ninja you, Turtles, classics, you know? Did you remember, like, the PBS thing where the, like, people had dog heads? No. You're just shaking your head now. <laughs> no. That's so, really strange to me. I, this has stayed with me my whole life. I one time had a nightmare that the PBS dog people, which were basically, like, people like in a suit like a suit of armor with a dog head and the dog's wearing a hat i gotta look this up like i really wonder if i somehow had a nightmare associated it with pbs and then somehow like mandela affected myself no wait i found it look at this creepy dogs are you Artist just are you william just... wegman and his weimariner muses okay so it's not wishbone it's not Wishbone. No, Wishbone's okay. chill and cool. Okay. I was about to like throw down because Wishbone was cornerstone of my childhood. No, I was not scared of Wishbone as a four-year-old. Okay. So for our listeners who can't see where we're watching, we'll 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 put this on the Instagram. I feel like this is worthy of a uh, of a post. Yeah. yeah. But it's essentially horrifying. Yeah, that is creepy. It looks like a person, but it's got a Weimariner face, but the Weimariner looks like haggard and sad. Yeah, but then there are people hands. So Yeah. Yeah. All I'm saying is I had a nightmare where one of those things chased me and I've never recovered. And we're we're going to channel that into some really great traumatic, you know, riff spiration. Hopefully. I'm just gonna start writing like horror movie soundtracks. I'm gonna like why does everything sound so spooky? <laughs> hey, welcome to the show with Bad Wallpaper. We've got a plan to create an album in one year by writing some music every week. We'll take our favorites, expand them into full songs, and then record our album at the end of a year. You can follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And please, if you're enjoying the show, subscribe and give us a review. Follow us on Twitter at bad underscore wallpaper and on Instagram at bad.wallpaper.band. What's happening, Jared? Well, without Jesse here, it's so much easier to do this podcast, I'm finding. Much less crosstalk, yeah. no, back, no back talk. And when I start going down a tangent that is clearly unusable there isn't somebody to reinforce it and keep it going three times as long that's a great point i think <laughs> i think half of the bits that like you two go off on about a third of it makes the final cut and it's like okay that was funny guys but at some point this has got to end yeah. this is not this is not a long form podcast on whatever bit you're trying to do <laughs> i don't even know what i did this week it's been a it's been a week i mean it's always tough coming back from vacation and you're like catching up Yeah. and you're, so you're, you just think all I need to do is just catch up this week. And then you feel like miserable about it and then you're caught up. <laughs> <laughs> you're like life's miseries have, have returned. Awesome. 
I love going on vacation and coming back feeling worse. Which, hey, I just went on vacation this week. Yeah, how, do you, how are you feeling? That. How are you feeling? I'm so tired. <laughs> My family are uh, Disney adults, as they say. I will say I am not what you would call your prototypical Disney adult, but I, uh, I have fun. Uh, but man, you end up putting in like a half marathon every day on your feet. It's like 100 degrees because you're in Florida. Uh, you're kind of burned and you like want to get you want to get everything out of the few days you have there. So I'm tired. But I rode some roller coasters, <laughs> some roller coasters. What, what is it like as a well-experienced Disney park goer? Do you actually like wait in lines or do you have it all gamed out where you know how to not wait in lines now? Uh, I, I feel like I try to have it gamed out and then they make it more complicated every year. <laughs> like we haven't been like five years since like my honeymoon, which I guess was technically four years ago, but it sounds cooler if you say it was five years ago. Uh, on our honeymoon, we went because my parents were like, here, go have this very nice hotel room and go to Disney World. Great. Sounds fun. Leah had never been before and, and I was going on like my own for my first time. So I had to do all this planning and stuff. You know, you sign up for all these things and you say what park you're going to. And you make dining reservations. You do all this stuff. And then I come back like four years later and it's all way harder. It's like, you know how hard it was to plan that? How about we make it three times harder? And like you have to like learn how to use this app. Like it's, you know, the most complicated application in the whole world. It's like they're hiding things from you in the app uh, just to test your your skills. It's brutal, man. You got to you got to be on the ball. But yeah, I'm waiting in lines and I'm riding rides. I think ultimately, though, you come to like a to know what's worth it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Is it worth it to wait an hour for the little it's a small world boats? No. <laughs> Pass. Is it worth it to wait? 45 minutes for the haunted mansion where you sing about ghosts yes absolutely that's cool <laughs> so there's yeah. singing involved so. i'm gonna start like a uh disney blog i think of how to be a cool guy cool adult male at disney world i think you will get way more followers from that than <laughs> from our band so it's been nice knowing you we made some good music have fun Let's get paid, man. With your Disney lifestyle. <laughs> I'm going to tell people where to get the uh, coldest brew dogs in the animal kingdom. So I'm really curious, though, about the, the bar that it seemed like you went to where there were like <laughs> special effects and performances happening. Yeah. So I think real Disney heads out there, you know, my other Disney adults, uh, they know. That there's one bar in Disney World that is truly incredible, and it's Trader Sam's Grog Grotto, which is a tiki bar, which A, is actually a solid tiki bar. Like, they do a pretty good job on the tiki drinks, and it was really like the first real tiki bar I had ever gone to as an adult, and it ignited, it ignited something in me, a passion for kitschy bars and uh, rum drinks. <clears throat> but man, yeah, like every time you order something... They like dim the lights and then someone has to yell something from the bar. Uh, there's they squirt water at you. It's just a it's just a mess. And I love it. <laughs> it's a real fun time. Well, that doesn't sound that different than the bars I go to. <laughs> what are they doing at the bars you go to in Seattle, Jared? Well, I get I I regularly at multiple different bars, weirdly enough, get squirted with water. Kind of like a cat. You know, it's like, stop that. Yeah, and get out of here. They're like, I don't what know. Are you, what I, are you usually doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I, I just start like, I, I go up and I'm like, hey, I'll take this beer, you know? And uh, by the way, do you know what? I uh, am doing this podcast with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here, podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Little freak. <laughs> Scram. Get. Get, get. <laughs> this is the sixth one this week. <laughs> so. I listened to a ton of music this week. Wow. What a transition. Weirdly enough, because get into it. I started really not listening to music intentionally. What uh, do you mean? What does that mean? Well, I'm going to need some clarification. So that's kind of the problem of once you've attained enlightenment that we have. 
Okay. No, but you get kind of tired of just listening to random music. Like, I don't want to just put a podcast or I don't want to just put a playlist. Yeah. I want to listen to an album that I like know by heart, but haven't listened to in like three years. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to feel something, but also I need to get work done. And I think that's the challenge. And so I was just, work was tough. I wasn't feeling super motivated. And then that reflected in my music choices. Like I wasn't, I was like, I'm not motivated to listen to something. So I listened to a lot of podcasts and just kind of like pass time away. But yesterday and today were much better. I found, well, in my podcasting, I finally put on IndieCast, which I don't know why I don't, it's, it's a dense podcast. I think that's why I don't listen to it a ton because they're just like nonchalant, like, oh yeah. And I mean, we do it on this podcast. They're just nonchalant, like, oh yeah, well, I mean, you know, I listen to this band, this band, this band, this band, and this is what it all means. And especially whenever I'm, I'm working, it's really hard to like catch, but you catch little nuggets and that's essentially what happened. I caught this little nugget of, they had a conversation on a Smashing Pumpkins album that I had never heard of. And so that led me to listen to some Smashing Pumpkins and really enjoyed that. And then that got me back in the groove, baby. Yeah. Sometimes you just need something to ignite you. Yeah. Just get it going. Listen to a bunch of new albums today that I really enjoyed. So yeah, first let's, let's hit that Smashing Pumpkins. So the year is 2000. Smashing Pumpkins. One of the biggest alt bands, you know, alt rock bands in the in the game. They just came off of uh, Door, not super well received. <laughs> what do they do? They make another huge album, not super well received. Uh, but they had this like conflict with their label because really they had this music that they wanted to release for free. I don't know if that was the time that Radiohead was doing like the pay what you want or Wilco. Wilco definitely. Right time, like, it was it was like the innovators were really starting to get after the weird yeah. release cycles on the internet. I mean, it was right before the dot com bust, so you know it was like everyone's doing this on on the internet. They're putting <laughs> albums out there, and people are just getting them. Um, but yeah, so their label didn't let them do it. So I don't know how it really worked, but they essentially made an album called Machina or Machina. What do you think it is? My guess is uh. Machina. <laughs> okay. I think it's Machina. Uh, and released that through the label. And then they made another double album and two EPs that they released for free uh, that I think are better. But the trick is it's really hard to find them because it's not on <laughs> streaming because it was never officially released. Uh, so Machina 2, and it has an alternate title, The Friends and Enemies of Modern Music. It's more so it's not the hits and it's not the sure. super it's angsty, but it's in a different way. It's not, you know, spot on my rage. <laughs> but they're really, really like interesting songs. And my personal favorite was White Spider. It just like it's this grinding, chugging along thing that isn't a lot like other Smashing Pumpkin stuff, but at the same time it is. It fits, yeah. and I really liked it. So, super cool album that I'm glad that I was told to to, to check out. So I found it. It is on YouTube. People oh, have, I was about to ask you, like, where were you? Where do you even get an album like this? And yeah, people have apparently used the web archive to download it from the old website, <laughs> and then uploaded it to YouTube, and it hasn't gotten taken down. I do um, miss that level of like skill that it took to find albums that weren't meant to be found for one reason or another where it was like <laughs> there were whole like sects of people like pirate uh stashing all these records that kept getting taken down everywhere that you couldn't listen to anywhere yeah it used to used to be hard to listen to music <laughs> for free all the time yep now you just have to wade through all the scam stuff on youtube to find <laughs> it still challenging and so, all right, let's do quick hits on the other stuff I listened to. Quick hits. So I caught up pretty much on like the last month of Pitchfork reviews and wow. uh, uh, three pick of things that I, I checked out. Porridge Radio's album, Waterslide, Diving Board, Ladder to the Sky. I, I was, it was okay. 
I haven't really spent a lot of time with Porridge Radio, and it was really interesting and good for, I think, what they do. Not super my cup of tea, but it is catchy. Um, Not familiar with Porridge Radio? Female vocalist, kind of post-rocky, kind of talk singy. Sure. No, I'm not like the biggest post rock talky guy. Yeah. At least like this latest this latest round of talky post rock. I'm like, eh. Take it or leave it. So then ironically, a very talky album, Craig Finn from the Holt Studies solo album, well, A Legacy uh, of Rentals. Well, it's not let's not throw <laughs> Craig Finn in with them. Well, that's a little different of a story. <laughs> yeah. So that album is it's like poetry. He does it yeah. with the Hold Steady, but Hold Steady has more groove. Like these songs are really like poems put to music, it feels like. Yeah. There's a lead single that was released off of it called Messing with the Settings, which has a, a, a lyric. It's, it's sometimes I feel like I'm riding a train I'm not on or something like that. Uh, it's essentially means like sometimes it's like life is like just like carrying you forward, but you're like outside of it at the same time. Like this kind of. Yeah out-of-body experience uh it's a really cool way of phrasing that um but then messing with the settings is also a really cool line from that song too it's uh he's talking about this person he knew who always anytime they got something like a tv they were like you gotta you gotta mess with the settings because it's better like you can't just accept just what they (laughs) give you like you gotta mess with it and (laughs) super relatable for me i always dive into the menu and like punch the buttons, you know, see if I can make it better. Um, yeah. And I feel like Craig Finn is good at like taking these kind of like stories that he finds humorous and applying some sort of like meaning to them and like a deeper, <laughs> a deeper, like understanding of humankind, like based on like, Oh, why are we always tweaking with the settings? And it's like, dang, Craig, I don't know. Yeah. No, I actually didn't listen to that new album though. I need to check it out. I love Craig Finn. Yeah. Pitch he is not it- talky post-punk. Pitchfork gave that one an 8.0. So that's up there. Mm-hmm. Pretty slick. 8.0 is Pretty what they slick. give an album. They don't want to give best new music, but they think is really good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's almost it's almost as high an honor as yeah. an 8.4. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last last but not least, uh, uh Shoegaze band just mustered. I'd never heard of them before. The fact that they were sold as a shoegaze band really you know, piqued my interest. Hmm. Interesting. A shoegaze band. I wonder if I sh- <laughs> would like this. Shoegaze band. Just mustard. Hard under. I enjoyed the listen. Kind of like aggressive vocals, but also like their female vocals, which you don't really get aggressive vocals or shoegaze very often. Yeah, but it's always interesting when it does happen. Yeah. And I get the shoegaze. Like it's dr- like lush in a hard way yeah and i'll just leave it at that it was Lush. it was interesting in a hard way. is uh, it just mustard on like a hot dog that I, I, that's what i'm kind of thinking like what do, what do you want just mustard like i'm i'm, I'm I, honestly that band name made me think a lot of like our band name <laughs> like we're just as cool as them yeah obviously it's what we've proven all right so that was my quick hitters quick hitters Jared's quick hitters of the week. So I had one album I wanted to talk about, which I'm pretty sure you checked out as well. It's a little album called 40 ounce to Fresno by a little band called Joyce Manor. And you were telling me earlier, you're not the uh, most acquainted with Joyce Manor. I do not think I had listened to them before this week. Like at all? At all. That's surprising to me. I got to say. Yeah, I don't know how I missed it. I mean, they probably came up on playlists, and I guess it just like, you know, I never was like, I gotta check that band out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you were able to, you know, get them on your radar from this latest album cycle. Because me too, me too. Yeah, I think Joyce Matter to me. They they have these like tight pop rock songs that are sometimes like a minute long sometimes they're like four or five minutes long depending on what they're trying to do what kind of emotions they're trying to provoke uh but they always do a great job of like just writing a catchy hook writing a cool guitar part writing a really sweet song that sticks with you 
even if it's just like a minute and a half long. I think like Catalina fight song off of uh, Never Hung Over Again is a great example of that. And I think they've got a couple really good tracks off the new album that I think already stick out to me in a way that, uh, you know, their songs haven't in a few years. Like I think Gotta Let It Go, one of the lead singles off of that. Secret Sisters I really like. Souvenir's great. You're Not Famous Anymore. A lot of like really great tracks that are like, you know, make up a 16 minute album and you're like oh there's no filler on this album and it's only 16 minutes because they were like here's 16 minutes go crazy (laughs) and they (laughs) nail it so i just i really love this band and uh was really happy with the latest release yeah it kind of prompted the conversation of like what genre you know they really fall into they're on epitaph great legacy punk label but there isn't a ton of punk you know in their sound it's yeah it's kind of more i'm pop rock and well we've talked a lot about classic bands like replacements that are kind of the epitome of like the golden boys of pop rock yeah and i think like punk if you're just going to talk about tempo like sure they're not always just going high tempo every single song but they have that gear which i think gives them kind of that pop edge. And also I think the DIY kind of scene that they roll in gives them that punk edge. Yeah. Uh, well, which was the case for, you know, replacements and exactly. Husker they were trying to be punk bands, hardcore bands. And it, you know, ended up being a little more poppy. And that's what that it's like when you're trying to be pop rock, <laughs> it doesn't turn out great. It's it's more of you're trying to be hardcore punk, but you have you can't escape the poppiness, and that's how you become pop rock. It's hey, something you become. I'm okay I, becoming pop rock. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to be pop rock. That that's my uh, I'm gonna, I, I'm I'm coining that right now. That's that's my theory. That's your theory of, the, of music? Jared's, music? Jared's theory of pop rock, and it's going to be published in a... It's going to be a t-shirt. Music journal. <laughs> <laughs> you think music journals are like scientific journals where you have to get like like a paper published? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I, I have my PhD. <laughs> PhD. In rockology, dude. You know how like professors have like lineages of like... Well, my advisor is this, and his advisor yeah, is this, yeah, yeah. and it goes all the way back to this famous person. I, I'm going to study under Jack Black. He's going to be my <laughs> rockology professor. I'll go first this week. Yes. I think. I'm, I'm excited for yours. Yeah, I'll say the final product doesn't, I'll say doesn't have the same vibe to it. Uh, but actually, I think it's possible we've played the song that I'm going to show you together in the past, Jared. I, I took a riff that I wrote, I think, in high school, but never actually laid down. And I always thought it was like kind of fun and interesting. I put a little twist on it, and I uh, repackaged it. But I know what the riffspiration was, because it was specifically one of my favorite bands at the time that inspired me to write guitar at that age in my life. And that band is Modest Mouse. Great band out of Issaquah, Washington. Yeah, I wouldn't. They're not a Seattle band, right? Like they wouldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't want to be called a Seattle band, probably. Probably not. But uh, they they have a few albums that I think were extremely influential to me while I was like discovering music and like figuring out what I like. One is the Moon in Antarctica, and one is the Lonesome Crowded West. Uh, I know we. Which, which one's those. better? Which one's your favorite? Ooh. I think it used to be Moon in Antarctica, but I think now it's Lonesome Crowded West. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm the same there. But we used to listen to those albums all the time in college. I think like that so influence much. of Modest Mouse was super duper prevalent for me. Like from like ages like 17 to 24, yeah. <laughs> it was like all I listened to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the first time we played music together ever, we played Modest Mouse. Yeah, was that when we played Float On? So. Yeah. But it like happened like organically. We were like, yeah. whoa, that riff kind of sounds like float on. Yeah. And then I was like, dude, we should totally play this song. I love this song. And you're like, eh, it's kind of a overrated. Exactly. Late, late Modest Mouse. Exactly. Single. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the real stuff, the real good stuff. That unadulterated, uncut, 
uh, Lonesome Crowded West. And so the song I want to talk about is uh, the opener to that album, Teeth Like God's Shoeshine. Wow, what a trip. That song like changed my life. I think, you know, popping that CD in, I borrowed it from my friend Baron. <laughs> uh, he had all the, the Modest Mouse albums on CD. Great quality. Uh, the first time I popped in the Lonesome Crowded West, it changed what I thought like rock music could sound like. It's so sharp and it's so aggressive but it's so like calm and melodic at the same time there's all these like layers and textures to it uh and that album was made in 1997 and still sounds like jarring to this day yeah there's not a lot like that um the ed and in this i mean that's why i think i like lonesome credit west so much is it was free to have those hard edges that their later albums didn't, you know, things got smoothed over and they, you know, erosion of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think like in moon and Antarctica, a lot of that's still there, but you also get the high production quality. Yeah. Uh, and they're still allowed to just kind of jam out on whatever songs they want to. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a good mix on moon and Antarctica between kind of their more polished stuff and their more, aggressive lo-fi stuff but lonesome crowded west is just the pure distilled modest mouse i read the story once and i love telling it and it's been so long since i read it i have no idea how to cite it <laughs> or if it's true but so the whole concept like lonesome crowded west why they wrote the out like titled album that they were in issaquah well for a long time was essentially a rural washington rural western washington city and it, if you don't know Washington geography, that's there, there aren't a ton of rural Western Washington places because Seattle kind of dominates so much of that. And so much of it has become suburbia of Washington. And eventually <laughs> Issaquah became suburbia. And that essentially is what this album, you know, that title is about, that they were the, the lonesome West, but now it's crowded. And they talk about a, a field of these flowers that were essentially paved over for a Costco because Costco's <laughs> headquarters is now in Issaquah, Washington. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think that like this album captures the feeling of living in like suburbia better than any album. Like the malls are the soon to be ghost towns. Like they said that in 1997. It's like, yeah, that was pretty prescient. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. One, okay, I guess I one an thing, excuse to talk about Modest Mouse, right? One thing that stood out to me in this listening that I hadn't really noticed before mm. that the when they do this thing, you know, where they overdub the vocals because I think it's all Isaac Brock. Yeah. Um, but when they he he overdubs but sings essentially in what do you call it when you sing the same thing in unison? Overdub. Well, in unison. Is, yeah. <laughs> Dual track. I already I said know. overdub, but he's singing the same part just twice. And you get this chorus effect because, you know, there's like some in and out of like phase, some in and out of yeah. pitch. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Jane's Addiction when yeah. he does that in the higher register, which is like that, like surprised me. I never made that connection before. It was really interesting. Uh, but like, in a good way like it's it sounds good um and then the other thing i wanted to talk about is th they're like the only ones that do those harmonic bends like those oh, harmonic like harmonic bends. whammies and stuff yeah it's like the, the way that it's so deep like it's so <sighs> amazing and the way that he transitions from plate like a chord and he's picking a chord and then it's seamless and now he's he's doing harmonics of it of the chord it's so like stark it's so beautiful that's like guitar <laughs> just heaven this band's so good man like sometimes i forget why modest mouse was like my favorite band in high school and then i sit down and listen to this and i'm like oh every single one of these songs on like four of their albums are perfect it's incredible incredible songwriting and also like incredible album construction like i don't know if anyone does it better yeah 
and I mean, they had so much to say and they were so young. <laughs> like, yeah. And they said it so well. Yeah, they, they were good at capturing those feelings. Oh, so good. So that was very inspirational to young me, which is where my riff came from. Uh, I kind of mentioned I was on family vacation this week. So I was like, oh, shoot, it's crunch time. What am I going to go to? And honestly, that jumped out of, at me after a very long time of not thinking of it. So I'm, I'm very interested to see if it rings like a bell with you, Jaren. Because I've been like playing this song on and off for like 10 years now. And I, I think it turned out okay. Uh, similar to Modest Mouse, I think it could use some of the natural dynamics that come with like a real drum kit and like a live bass player and all that kind of stuff. So I'll say, I don't know if I got the vibe I wanted to exactly out of the recording, but every time I've jammed this out, it has like a, a level of aggression and sharpness to it that I think really is where the Modest Mouse influence comes from. I I have a suspicion of what this riff is. You do? Oh, I'm very excited to see your uh, your response. Yeah, yeah, it was this one. I knew it. I'm glad I described it well enough that you were like, oh, okay, I remember that. And you remember that from like eight years ago, you know? Yeah. I So I distinctly remember hanging out in one of our dorm rooms. One of the many. Yeah. And it like, it, Jake and I had been like hanging out a lot before then, but this like, he was like, hey, I'm playing this thing. And I was like, dude, let me, let, that sounds awesome. Like, did you write that? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, let me. Yeah. I was like, let me try putting some chords to it. And I kind of feel like it was, you were testing me. You were like, and now I know, like, you know, you had that like in your pocket, you know, it was like, if I'm going to be a make a band, this is like one of the songs I'm going to make a band with. Yeah. And I had to pass the audition of, and you know, and we didn't do anything. So maybe I failed it. But yeah. You definitely are. failed, but I think <laughs> I picked up later. the slack, you know, uh, but I think like, <laughs> Thinking back on it, yeah, it's like really what I was looking for from my perspective was just some sort of validation that this wasn't just nonsense junk, you know? I was like, is this something? You were like, yeah, man, let's jam on it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. you're not just saying that, but uh, I trusted you. I trusted your musical instinct. All right. Do you want, you want to pad your ego even more? I would love to. This, that's what this podcast is really yeah. all about for me. <laughs> I hope that's clear. So... That has stuck with me for so long because oftentimes I'm like, Jared, channel what Jake did with that thing where it was a super, it was a rhythmic but melodic riff that isn't, it's not jamming, it's going somewhere, but it's like doing its thing. It's not obvious. And I, a lot of times I'm like, try and do something like that. And I, have i struggle <laughs> well and that's one that i even to this day struggle to play because like i paced it so frantically like i think that's what made it stick with me is like the runs are frantic they're not really like quarter note you know riffs or something like that it's it's got this like skittery energy to it that i think has always made me like it because it's yeah. it's upbeat and it's kind of peppy but it's also kind of anxious in that like kind of stuttery uh, pace of it you know it never really settles into something melodic but at, at the same time it's like kind of intricate yeah 
And then you have the like middle portion that breaks it down. And that's where it really gets like Modest Mousey, I think, because that's where I end up being like, oh, did I just steal this from Modest Mouse? <laughs> well, I don't I don't I don't think they were even the first to do a slow breakdown. But no, they invented the the slow breakdown. Concept. Yeah, they invented it. It's patented. <laughs> Teeth like God's shoeshine is really like six songs in one. Yeah. You know, it's more of a, a suite. It's a movement. And uh, that's like fine. That's such a cool way of writing songs. Because the first like minute and a half is of that song is one chord, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like doing this riff and then the bass is just <laughs> holding the chord. Like he's just uh, playing an arpeggio of a chord. Yeah. And, then, and then it breaks, di- then it gets heavy and then it breaks down and then it has that middle portion that's like the harmonics. It's like beautiful, but it's all like tied together by a single thread. And that's like the artist's choice, you know? They're like, this is one song. Right. It's a movement. Like, yeah, yeah. they're trying to capture all these different feelings. And like you were talking earlier about kind of that suburbia, creeping suburbia anxiety and stuff of like living in a small town that's slowly being overtaken is like so palpable in that song because it's so anxious, but so busy. Yeah. It's kind of like like Rhapsody in Blue, but for the 21st century. Wow. All right. I don't know what that's there a reference go. to. I'm not going to lie. I'm very stupid. Rhapsody in Blue, it's that like 1920s, 30s, like kind of jazzy symphony movement that's like makes you think of like the bustling city. Yeah. Okay. Um, But it has, you know, these movements and it's like you're in a busy street and then like, oh, wait, but there's like, you know, a paper drifting through the wind and then you're back into it. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, Honestly, there's a lot of similarities. Like no. somebody should write a PhD on that. Wow, I can't wait for that <laughs> one to uh get peer reviewed. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm just so happy you remembered that and that you like it. You're not like, "Oh, this stupid thing again." Definitely not. Also, <laughs> I like the the those drums felt pretty like real. Like Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. I I did some playing with some like standard kit stuff but i i kind of like what i've done with that it's all it's always stuck in my head that like that more upbeat part has like a polka beat to it like yeah (laughs) but i think it like it gives it that energy and i think with like the real drums whenever we've jammed this with other people or like i've jammed it on drums while you play it like that like it's like a punk polka beat really gives it a a juice to it Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I tried to capture that juice as much as I could in the, the pad drums, and it worked okay. Yeah, some of your, some of your best pad drum work. Wow, thank you. And all of that because I was on vacation and didn't have time to write something <laughs> new, so I pulled something out of my dusty drawers. Yeah, urgency is the, the mother of invention. There you said go. no one ever. Something like but... that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so if Jesse were here, he'd be like, Oh, yes. Uh, I thought it was very good. And I was sick, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just just throwing you on their bus, Jesse. All right. We ready to yeah, let's, switch a room? Let's get it. It's like jazz, man. All right. Uh-oh. My respiration this week. Mostly. So I sat down. And I did my thing, and then I was like, you know, that sounds a. L- I could hear that being a Ty Seagal song, and then I was like, wait, did I just rip off Ty Seagal? Like, is that actually a Ty Seagal song? And I hope I'm saying that right. It's the same with Jason Seagal, the actor. I'm always like, is it Seagal, Seagal? I don't know. I should research these things before I commit them to a verbal medium. But retroactively, I listened to a lot of Ty Seagal to make sure I didn't copy something <laughs> verbatim. And, uh, but I did agree with myself that it's very much in his vein. And I could see some vocal production that, of his style working really well with the track I wrote. Um, as an example that is somewhat similar to what I did, I present Ty Seagal's Whisper. 
I always Ty Seagal always kind of reminded me of the like Tame Impala psychedelic rock era, but with like a little more Queens of the Stone Age inspiration. Ooh. It's like it's like psych rock mixed with stoner metal in like a really fun way. I've never been like a huge Ty Seagal guy, but I uh I really like that track and I really like a lot of what I've heard from him. Yeah. It's the lyrics, I don't know. I mean, they don't mean a ton to me. It's just a jam, you know. Yeah. It's psychedelic. It's it's doing its thing. It I love that breakdown at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of what what makes it for me. Um, I think I was really first introduced. I mean, he's super prolific, so he has a ton of albums, and it's kind of hard to like listen through the whole album because it's he he kind of sets like a whole scene, you know? Yeah. And you're kind of just in that mode for like an hour, and I mean that's cool. Um, but sometimes you want some singles, you know? Yeah, you want a bop. Um. Jeez, scrolling through his albums right now. This is what I was trying to get to. So I think I was introduced. I think you showed me Reverse Shark Attack, which was a 2009 album. That's so that's not out. a me album, I'll say. Someone else probably showed you hmm. that. Hmm. Well, it's an interesting like side project, like side project, dual project, him and Michael Cronin. And I actually became like a big like Michael Cronin stan for a while. Um, his 2011 album. Michael Cronin, and then really 2013, Michael Cronin 2 were some of it, like, I listened to those a lot. Um, they never, they didn't, you know, really kick up that much traction, unfortunately. Yeah, I never, like, latched onto that. I've seen some of, like, the album art yeah. there, but I've never listened to them. Yeah, but Reverse Shark Attack, uh, the project they did with Ty Seagal, it's it's even heavier than that last song and it's really fun. I don't know. That it, it is just like when you just want that like unadulterated jammy kind of like like perfect headbanging. Oh, yeah. Um it's what you go to. Yeah. And so I didn't really intend to make that when I made my riff this week, but it just kind of turned into that and That's cool. I Yeah. I guess we'll see. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? I'm excited for this. die that's what i have to say never it's always cool and it's always good <laughs> yeah blues hard rock definitely can be a little over saturated i mean even like the black keys who kind of do it the best mm -hmm. i i mean i haven't been super excited about the newest album it's it's hard no, i haven't been invested in them in like a decade it's hard to keep it's hard to keep it original yeah yeah, I don't think I, I mean, I didn't really try to do like a blues thing, you know, it, I mean, kind of naturally went that way, I think. Um, but I think that's where like the Ty Seagal comes in is that it's, it's not just like a blues rock riff. Uh, it kind of like from a chord progression for stand standpoint is, 
but it's got a little more psychedelia influence, a little more hard rock influence. It's not just like a straight blues jam or like a, you know, like a Zeppelin song from the early 70s. Yeah, yeah. I I was pretty happy with the, there's like a turn, like the, you know, there's kind of yeah. like a riff and then it like does a turn. Yeah, yeah, I like that part. And that's what I think really stood out to me is like blues influence from port, chord perspective. Yeah, and... I didn't intend to like have a lead part over the whole thing. Um, mm, sometimes it's just uh, fun. Yeah. Then I, I kind of just realized like, okay, well, if I put it at the end here, well, then the first part's kind of just boring. And so I just like added a little more and then a little more and stitched it all together. And I was like, actually like this whole thing going all the way through and then like singing over that would be pretty cool. Yeah, because I think I think it's missing a melody on top of that, and that's what the guitar line kind of brings. Yeah, is it hangs on a little melody to the uh, chord progression. Yeah, and that's kind of where I just could like I could just hear like Ty Seagal like, and it's like nasally kind of like, <laughs> yeah. So that was actually the first of all of these riffs that's the first one where i just punched in the drums 100 percent myself <laughs> wow yeah. yeah did you do like record your drum set no <laughs> oh no. but i pushed the buttons I... hey <clears throat> that's a, that's a move in the right direction yeah. no soon you're gonna be using that drum kit over no there. no copy and paste midi here <laughs> it helps that you can you know do the like bass snare part and then do like symbols on top of it in two separate exactly just kind of (laughs) then just add the chord like i knew what i wanted but like you know it's hard to like perform it all in one so (laughs) um i agree i agree you're absolutely right yeah i also i played with the uh i thought the mix on that turned out really good too yeah yeah i i I think it it sounds very full i did some playing with i found out that with like midi drums you can add effects to the individual like hit you know like so like the kick so you can add a like limiter compressor that gives you this like like pump kind of you know like it like you feel it and it makes room in the whole track for like the kick to kind of stand out and you can do stuff to the cymbals to like you know eq it a little differently and i i found that that helped a ton with like what i was unhappy with with how the like like out of the box you know you got to mess with the settings like yeah what they give you is is never ever good enough you gotta mess with those settings yeah so it was fun i felt like yeah (laughs) it came together really well i played it for l my wife and she was like that's the best thing you've done ever jared <laughs> Whoa. and i was like where did that come from you don't even like this kind of music so <laughs> i mean i take that as high praise from her hey yeah uh, i i would think that should be taken into account for sure yeah i kind of think that it's just like as i'm getting better at like producing you know it just starts sounding yeah. crisper and cleaner yeah your ideas i feel like that's really the thing is sometimes you're trying to get an idea out and you can't quite capture it in the environment we're recording in yeah like that maybe you could capture and feel really good about in a studio. And sometimes it all just clicks. And even if you don't think it's your best work, it's like, Oh yeah, that's clicking. And it's, I mean, it's also kind of like what I try to not pay too much attention to at the same time, because, you know, a lot of your tracks intentionally, you know, like I'm seeing beyond the production, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I try to do that as well. And so that that poses the question you know as the production gets better and it's like well you can't hide behind it now it's just cool that's the maximum potential of what that riff had and it it's okay yeah Um, no and that's like to me that that was a cool chord progression uh and i thought the melody over it was pretty good uh it tightened up in the production and i think it is hard at the end of the month we'll have to say like do we think it's because of the production that is good or do we think it fell together naturally because the riff and the melody itself is good yeah that's that's a hard thing for us to parse every time yeah well that's what we're gonna have so to we'll do. sit that's on it we're gonna have to do. We'll sit on it for a few weeks and we'll uh get back to it well i'll get back to you on that one
I liked it. Sounded great. Bada bing, bada boom, baby. Bada bing. Hey, oh yeah. The other thing, very oh, yeah. inspired by the Mr. Black Supermoon. Oh. On that, on that uh, I, and honestly, like that's honestly like what pushed me in that whole direction. Like I started with the chord progression and the rhythm guitar, but with like a lot of reverb on it. And then, you know, that gives you that kind of psychedelic kind of space, you know? Yeah. And you play with you that. You kind of play it with a little more space. Yeah. yeah. And so I did like a, like a, I overdubbed the, the rhythm guitar with um, a second track with a little heavier distortion, but the same like reverb. Oh uh, yeah. That's helpful. left and right. And that combined into like a really like solid, like really, nice thing which then i completely buried in the whole track with the lead guitar over it <laughs> no it's okay um, it sounded fat yeah right that's it's that's the whole production thing that's so interesting is you get like i just want that like guitar sound and then sometimes it actually serves the song to like kind of bury it like but it gives you that yeah. fatness um yeah We'll see. I don't know. Maybe my next challenge will be like bring that rhythm guitar up like a little more so it actually like see if it shines through in a like kind of. I mean, Joyce Manor, I think their rhythm, like yeah. you know, it's just mostly rhythm guitar that's yeah. super present. But and I think in your riff there, like the rhythm guitar stands out to me, even though it's like kind of quiet. Mm. It's what jumps out to me first is the the psychedelic kind of chord progression. Well, cool. Well, sweet. Cool. Good stuff, Jared. We'll find a way to put this on Instagram. We were talking today. It's like, oh, how do we like just get the music in front of people in a way that's easy and not annoying? And we're we're brainstorming. Uh, I think we've done a bad job of it in the past because it seems like hard work and it feels <laughs> hard. And I don't want to do hard things. Uh, but hopefully Jared's gonna figure it out. We'll get some more uh stuff readily available to the the viewing masses what jake's trying to say is there's never been a better time to like and subscribe follow check it out instagram bad.wallpaper.band twitter bad underscore wallpaper that's it yeah that's it (laughs) but you read my mind jared go check us out we're going to be posting hopefully some more more tracks out there that are uh, just easy to jump out at you from your Instagram feed. Yeah, we're gonna so. we're gonna go we're gonna go all the way back October twenty twenty one, baby. Well, we're just gonna we're just gonna put all the, the yeah. rest of things. Yeah, what, like, what, just spread it out a little bit. Though. Do you remember what you were doing back in October twenty twenty one? We were starting a podcast. Yeah, like that's that's all I remember. Though. I, <laughs> like I, I went to Salem at one point. That's all I remember. <laughs> that wasn't that. It was. It was October, dude. It was Halloween. Oh my gosh.